are obsessed with health and healing. In the US, you don't have to look too far for some new idea that will solve all of our health crises. Perhaps this new diet will solve your mental health problems or reset your gut microbiome. Walking will every day will make you live longer. Taking this or that supplement will make you 20 times more energetic. Personally, I'm, I'm usually pretty taken by these health and wellness ideas. You might find me someday trying some new biohack that will supposedly make my life entirely better. If you haven't heard the term biohack, it refers to the attempt to do something to your body that hacks into normal biological processes and changes something for the better. Butter in your coffee, anyone? Uh, yes, I have actually tried that. <laughs> we are all inundated with various and contradictory messages about this or that thing that will help us be more healthy. We just have to buy the thing, and the thing will make us well. We long for healing, for health and wholeness. We can feel that something is wrong, and we look for a cure, a healer. We are obsessed with health and healing, and yet we fall so far from it. Um, in this country, we might be considered one of the most developed and economically stable in the world. At the same time, we have some of the worst health outcomes. We suffer from the illnesses of a system that privileges the money makers. The foods we eat, our healthcare systems, and the daily life practices we have are designed in a for-profit system. The U.S. spends far more money than any other high-income country in the world. At the same time, people in the U.S. are more likely to die young or from avoidable causes, and we are the only nation of our peers that does not have universal health care. When I think of health, I am also reminded of things like the epidemic of loneliness that the U.S. Surgeon General announced last year. We can lack health in our social or emotional lives, too. Here at PMC, at different points, we've talked about the impacts of racism, poverty, sexism, and the harms that LGBTQ persons experience. I wonder what it would take to heal from these cultural and structural harms in our lives, things that harm us all in different ways, with these things in mind, I think of health in a holistic framework that includes our physical, emotional, social, political, and spiritual well-being. In one of her books, the writer Madeline Langle speaks of healing. She wrote, It is no coincidence that the root word of whole and health and heal and holy is hail, <clears throat> as in hail and hearty. If we are healed, we become whole. We are hale and hearty. We are holy. I love how she connects health to wholeness, to what is holy. In the same way that we long for healing and wholeness, people in Jesus' time longed for this too. Just like in our time, people flocked to anyone known as a healer. 
We enter the story to find that Jesus and his disciples are still in Capernaum, but they have left the synagogue and headed to Simon Peter's house. Jesus leaves the public and religious places to join people in their normal, everyday lives. We meet Peter's mother-in-law, and Jesus heals her. Then, whole crowds begin coming to Jesus. The story says that the whole city gathered around the door where Jesus was. The whole city! And he healed many. These folks were longing, longing for healing, desiring to find hope in the, whole, in the world. We know that life was probably not easy for them, living under the Roman Empire. This is the empire that had claimed to save the world by drawing it under its military power. While some writers of the day claimed that the Roman rule had healed the sick world, there was still much disease and deprivation. Inequality was prevalent. Historians estimate that 70% of the population under Rome suffered from varying degrees of food insecurity. Life was stressful. Staying alive and well was a challenge. In the midst of this, Jesus offers healing. He heals the demons and the illnesses that terrorize them. Jesus doesn't just offer a kind of spiritual or philosophical salvation, but it is a kind of transformation that impacts even people's physical bodies. Jesus says that the kingdom of God, the realm of love, is coming, and it will be a reality that changes everything. It will bring healing in all areas. Yet in this story, we see that not everyone gets physical healing. Jesus goes off to pray and then to follow his preaching journey to other places. In Jesus' world and our world today, one of the biggest faith questions we have is why are some healed when others are not? In my life, I have experienced many situations with myself, family, or friends where healing does not come, where every medical option is tried and every possible prayer is cried out to God, yet nothing changes. <coughs> Sickness, death, disease, and oppression continue to haunt our world and our lives. Personally, I want to have a really good, concrete answer to this question of where God is in the midst of a sick and suffering world. Christians over time have tried to come up with many answers to this, and often they fall short. Some of the answers even cause us more emotional pain. We often think that suffering is our fault, and somehow we are to blame for it. Suffering and disease has sometimes been thought of as punishment or, for some people, a kind of testing or lesson from God. But I can think of so many situations in the world where this just doesn't fit. No one deserves or needs the kind of horrible suffering we see in places in our world today and even in our own lives. And God is not some angry tyrant throwing punishment or sadistic lessons all over the world. Suffering and disease are just part of the random chaos of our world. We have no control over it. In the end, we are just left to sit with the mystery of all of this. God loves creation, and yet bad things still exist. 
Perhaps the most we can do is to listen and learn from the stories of Jesus. When we listen to these stories, we find a God who longs to bring healing to us. Not only do we search for wholeness, but God is actively working to bring healing to our world. We learn from Jesus that God cares about bringing healing. God wants to bind up the brokenhearted to free those who are captive. In these stories, we see, too, that Jesus cares, especially for those that the world doesn't care about. Jesus engages with those that everyone else would rather ignore. We know that Jesus doesn't heal everyone he meets in the world, and yet Jesus brings us a message of good news. He brings the news that the realm of God is coming, that God is restoring creation to its intended wholeness. Jesus shows us this kingdom of God, telling us that the kingdom is here already, that it is coming to be, and that it is not yet fulfilled. In other words, God's agenda is the mending of creation, and this is something that is actively happening through time. As Martin Luther King Jr. tells us, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. These healing stories give us a sign of what God is doing. It is not just some kind of metaphysical transformation or some kind of pie in the sky. This healing will touch us and lift us up in real physical ways as well as in social and political ways. This healing will bring us and all creation to wholeness and holiness. We know from Jesus that this kingdom project is both already here and not yet. Walter Wink is a theologian known for the way he saw oppressive social structures as a kind of demonic power. For him, Jesus' healings and exorcisms, which played a huge role in Jesus' ministry, were not just fantastical one-time acts to patch up a disease. He wrote that these healings are manifestations of God's reign now. An inbreaking of eternity into time, a revelation of God's merciful nature, a promise of the restitution of all things in the heart of the loving author of the universe. This is God's story of reconciliation that runs through the whole Bible and into our lives today. God is bringing us into the beloved family, the kingdom of God. And this is also the mystery that we can't fully understand. There is no good explanation for why healing happens for one person and not another. And that makes it incredibly hard for us to live in a world full of risk and vulnerability. When we experience this inbreaking of God's healing in our lives, we can celebrate and be in awe of God's transformative power. But what about the rest of the times? How do we live in a world that is so full of good things, but so clearly also not whole, so lacking in health, yet desperately longing for it? For me, our story in Mark calls us to two things today. First, we can participate in God's healing. 
God is working through creation to mend things, all of us included. In the beginning of Mark, Jesus has called some disciples. This means us. We are part of God's active work at bringing healing and wholeness to the world. We are God's hands and feet in the world. When folks in our community are suffering or sick, we can be with them. We can support them and hold them through difficult times. The Christian church has a long history of supporting health care, especially for those at the margins. In the early church, practices of caring for the sick and caring for the poor and needy were hugely important. This continues today. As of 2010, the Catholic Church managed 26% of the world's healthcare facilities. And Mennonites have long practiced mutual aid or sharing financially for those in need. One of the interesting uh, historical stories I've heard is about Mennonite deaconesses. This term has been used at various points in Mennonite history, but one of the earliest records of these women come from the 1600s in the Netherlands. In the past, women have often not been given authority in church settings, but in this case, these women were given the work of taking care of the poor and the sick in their communities. The role of deaconess was assigned to women in the church community and they acted almost as a modern-day social worker. They checked in with people that the church was helping in some way and made sure that their needs were being met. They were the ones that made personal contact with folks in need and worked at arranging help for these people. Now, if you dig more into the history, I wouldn't say that this situation was the perfect ideal of equality in gender or economic sharing, but it does give us a snapshot of how Mennonites over time attempted to live out the gospel in their settings. We are a part of this messy kingdom of God that is already here and not yet here at the same time. Our lives are ultimately dependent and interdependent on so many things. God continues to work in our world, working interdependently with us and creation. We are part of this holy work toward wholeness. A second thing I think this calls us to is a deep sense of withness. This reign of love is not yet fully present, and that means there is still terrible suffering in the world. Yet God has promised to be with us through all of this. Jesus, in the Gospels, is called Emmanuel, or God with us. God took on the form of a human to know what our suffering is like and to be with us in this messy world. Jesus shows us in the scripture from today that we cannot do everything. We cannot solve everything. Jesus steps away from the crowds and the miraculous healings to be with God. We also need to connect with our loving creator, to be open to God's active presence, to stay grounded in the force of love. Our longing for health and wholeness reflects our deepest knowledge that things are not fully right. Yet God is with us in all of it. If we pay attention to our longing for healing, this will draw us closer to our Creator, who also longs for our healing. 
May we allow ourselves to notice God's holy acts of love in creation, mending and bending our world toward wholeness. <laughs>